Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FV Church, and this is our podcast. Well, it's good to be back. Many of you might not know, I took uh, like a week and a half after Christmas Eve to go home to Jersey, spend some time with uh, my parents and uh, Jamie's parents, the kids' grandparents. We grew up in the same town in Jersey, and, and it's, always, it's always nice to go on vacation and spend some time with family and, and do nothing, you know? But if you've ever been on a long vacation, you know getting, doing nothing gets old, right? Like, like day two or day three, sitting by the pool, you're like, I just need something to do. Then day like four or five of not being in your own bed, you're just like, this is getting uncomfortable. And then like, like day six comes, and you're like, what am I going to do with my life? So, so that, was, that was kind of where I was getting. And then we drove back three hours and then dropped all our stuff at the house. And then we, we drove to a, a friend's New Year's Eve party. And like, so it was like we were only in our house for a second, and then we're there really late, and then get home, and it's like, I'm finally home, finally home. And I, it's weird because I always say I went home to New Jersey to be with my family, and then when I come back to Gettysburg, I'm coming home, and what, like, they're not both, only one of them can be my home, but one was my home, but now I have a different home and a different family and a different place, and it's just this weird idea of being home, right? Like, like what is home? Like, it, what's that mean? It, well, we're in a series we're calling Never Just Another Sunday, having a heart for God's house, and I want to talk about what it means to be home a little bit today, but I also want to talk about how Freedom Valley is a church where it's never just another Sunday. Just never, never just. That's where you'd be like, yeah, because it's never just another Sunday. Come on. It's never just another Sunday. That's a little better. That's because it's not. It's not like that around here. And, and you know that because every week something strange could happen. Like, like, like you might walk in and go, where's my seat? There's supposed to be three back rows, and I sit in the back row, and that seat's gone. There's like weird tables and balloons in the in the auditorium. What's going on here? Like that, I, that's just an example, for instance, or maybe that's the case today. Or, or maybe it might be one of those weeks where I decided I'm going to be overly silly and I run on the stage, grab the microphone from Candace and start singing Journey karaoke. Like it might be one of those weeks. Or hey, maybe it's a week where we're throwing tomahawks or a week where we bring people up on the stage to shake um, like sticky notes off their body in front of everyone to Taylor Swift. And listen, we have weeks like that because we think church should be enjoyed, not just endured. God's church should be fun. You should want to be here. And you know, another way we we want it to be not just another Sunday is we don't want this to be just another church. So we go out of our way to to make sure that individuals feel comfortable here. I I grew up in in a small church in New Jersey. My parents got saved when I was really young, and I spent like every day in that church. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I went to the Christian school based in the church, and I would go to Christian school, and then after I'd spend like three or four hours working at the daycare, the aftercare, and then I would hang out at the church for a couple more hours getting ready for the youth group. Like, I would be at the church every day, all day, seven days a week. Like, I was in this building. But I do know that I wasn't comfortable in that building ever. I, I couldn't exactly be Ooh, I, what, you had to dress kind of nice on the Sundays, like not, not formal, but we had a term. I don't know. If you didn't grow up in church, you might not know this term. 
Sunday best? Like, people would say, how do you dress? And the answer would just be, do your Sunday best. If I told my students in my youth group how to dress and I say Sunday best, they're like, oh, so just like sneakers and a t-shirt, right? Like, like jeans, t-shirt, like that's it. No, we, Sunday best, you had to dress nice and, and you had to be careful not to, to stain anything because you see we had this really nice carpet in my church. It was like burnt orange. Beautiful. The pews matched. Like all the seats, burnt orange. All the carpet, burnt orange. Lobby, like stage, burnt orange straight through. And you couldn't spill on it because we couldn't fix it. Like you'd stain it. So like it was like walking on eggshells, like coasters and careful. And I just wasn't comfortable. But Freedom Valley, it's not just another Sunday. We want people to feel comfortable here. That's why, you know, I wear a hat on stage because that's how I'm comfortable. Like, I want to be comfortable in the house of God. You know, when you're in your own house, you want to be comfortable. You walk in, you take your shoes off, or you, you put on sweatpants. If I'm in my house, I'm in sweatpants. I always wear sweatpants in my house because I'm comfortable in my house. If you visit, I'm in sweatpants. Like, it's, it's, you're in my house. And we want it to be like that here. We want people to be comfortable. Another way that we never just want it to be another Sunday is every week people get saved at FB Church. Every week people have the opportunity to be prayed over and have their life changed at FB Church. Every week families have the chance to be reunited, to be prayed over, to see reconciliation, to see freedom, to see new life. Every week, it's not just another Sunday. Something is happening. Someone is being set free, transformed, changed forever. It's never just another Sunday. But maybe... Maybe for you, there have been weeks. It's just another Sunday. Because, and I'm going to be honest here, there's weeks for me that it's been just another Sunday. It's been going through the motions, you know. It's, this, this is, for me, my full-time job. This is what I do. It's 40 to 60 hours a week. That's, that's what I do. And I know for you, probably showing up, you know, on, on Monday, it's, it's, just, it's just another Monday. There's been weeks for me where it's just another Sunday. It's just another, another work shift, punch in, punch out. That's happened. So I want to talk about how to, how to prevent that in our lives today, uh, how we can take steps so that it isn't just another Sunday, and how we can grow in ourselves a heart for God's house. And that's what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about developing, growing, fostering a heart for the house, and never again having just another Sunday, making every moment special and expecting something special. So we're going to get into God's Word today. We're going to go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to try to go through this as quick as I can. I said that last service, and I struggled with that promise, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to move through it quickly because I want to draw out a whole other point at the very end, and hopefully we have time. But the first thing, i got to give you some background because if we just jump in, you won't know what's going on. In this chapter of, of 1 Samuel, we find a, a man, a young man named Samuel. And you see, Samuel, his upbringing was a little different. His mother could not have a child. And she prayed for years. She'd go into the temple and she'd pray and she'd pray and she'd pray. And she finally said to God, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you and he won't be my own. And this wasn't like a, a figurative in like my, I was in church a lot as a kid, so my parents dedicated me to God. No, this was literal. After he was nursed, because she finally had a son, after he was nursed, she brought him to the temple and said, Samuel, this is your home now. You live here. You do whatever the, the high priest says. This is where you live. Bye. And she left. 
She didn't live in that city. She lived somewhere else. She just left him in the house of God, completely gave him. Samuel, from the earliest he could probably remember, was in the house of God. And that's important to our story. The other thing that's important is the high priest at the time, his name was Eli. And Eli, he started out as a, as a good high priest, it seems. Somebody who knew what he was doing and was leading the people right. The high priest was the one who, for Israel, represented the one who speaks for God. Or the one who speaks on behalf of the people to God. So he's like in the middle. The people are here and they bring their needs to Eli. And Eli, he stands here representing the people to God. And then God's supposed to speak to Eli. And then Eli's supposed to turn and represent God to the people. And that's, that, that's his job. But Eli, he had a couple sons. And these sons were your uh, stereotypical church kids. <laughs> if anybody grew up in the church and they knew a couple pastor's kids who thought they could get away with murder and, and everybody gives me whatever I want and I know the Bible back and forward so I'll put on a good show. That was Eli's kids. Hopefully that's not of any of the pastor's kids here. I, I don't think it is, but they're all still kind of young. I mean, Candace was a pastor's kid and she's kind of like that. So, I mean, <laughs> so yeah, we got one. So yeah, that's, that's, that's his sons. And they were actually stealing from the people. The people would bring their offerings to God, and they would take the best portions of the meat for themselves, and they would eat the large portion of the meat, and then they'd give a small portion to God, and, and they would actually demand more of the people. Oh, there is too much sin on you. You have to give a better sacrifice, another sacrifice. You have to give us more. We want more, and, and they were known to be getting fat on the backs of the people. They were taking more than they were supposed to, and God told Eli time and time again, deal with this in my house. There is a problem that must be dealt with. And Eli, for whatever reason, it doesn't really tell us why. Maybe it was because they're his pride and joy and his sons and they're the perfect the apple of his eye. Or maybe he just thought, I, I'll let God deal with it. I don't want to. Or maybe he was so concerned with his own spiritual well-being. He didn't focus on his sons. Whatever the reason, I can't tell you, but I can tell you he didn't deal with it. And that's where we're picking up the story, where Eli's got two rotten kids. Samuel, he's been working in the temple. He's a young man now. We don't know his exact age, but he's been there long enough to know the ropes, to know what to do. And, and that's where we're picking up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. I want to pause there for a second. What a sad statement. In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. That's such a sad thing. They had a man who was supposed to go into God's presence and come out and bring the word, but messages from God were very rare. That's sad. That's just another Sunday. People show up at the tabernacle, they offer their sacrifice, and they leave without receiving a message from the Lord. It was too rare. They didn't even have visions. They were quite uncommon. That's the picture that we're seeing here. And then one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. I'm going to pause again to just bring this up. The man of God, the one who was supposed to see on behalf of the people, is going blind. That's a big deal, and I think it'll matter when we read this next verse. And he had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the temple near the ark of the Lord. When I read this verse, 
it kind of disrupted the message I planned to communicate this weekend. Um, so I started getting lost in the idea of the lamp of God. What is the lamp of God? What, what was that physical object? What did its inclusion in this passage mean? Because if God put it in there, it must mean something. And if he's bringing it to my eyes, I have to figure it out. So I went to some, some biblical text, and by that I meant Google, and I typed in, what does the lamp of God mean in 1 Samuel 3? If you ever have a question about the Bible, start. That's not a terrible spot to start. And then I, I read a bunch of articles. I read a bunch of older um, uh, books that write about the Bible from centuries, not just modern stuff. And here's the conclusion I came to. I think it means two things. One, see, the lamp of God was a, a physical object that was placed in the Holy of Holies, the, the central corridor of the tabernacle. And inside the Holy of Holies is the Ark of God. The Ark of God, it's, it's the Ark of the Covenant. It's the thing that Indiana Jones was trying to get in the first movie. The, just giving us all a frame of reference here. And the Ark of the Covenant literally holds the presence of God within it. And the Israelites would not allow the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, to be in the dark. So they would light the lamp of God at dusk. And as the sun went down, the lamp would burn, and God's Ark would not be in the dark. So the first thing that knowing that the lamp of God had not yet gone out means is it's middle of the night. It's not yet dawn. It's still late. It's like the darkest part of the night. The lamp has not gone out. That's the first thing it means. It's giving us a frame of reference for the time where this event is happening. Second thing I think it means, when we look at the fact that the man of God, Eli, was going blind, and the Bible tells us that the eyes are the lamp of the soul, he's going blind and he's the leader, and he cannot see, and maybe he can't even see the sin inside his own family and the sin inside God's house and the dysfunction that was being brought into God's temple. He cannot see it. In this dark time where messages are rare and visions aren't happening, there's a declaration that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. I don't know what season you're in, and I don't know what you're dealing with, but here's what I can tell you. This is just, this isn't what this verse means on its own, but this is what God is speaking right now. The lamp of God has not yet gone out in your life. I don't know how dark it's been. I don't know what you're going through, but the lamp of God has not yet gone out. I don't know if the people around you are blind and aren't seeing, but the lamp of God has not yet gone out. If you feel lost and alone, the lamp of God has not yet gone out. And you know why? He cares too much about his house to leave it dark. If the people in his church are blind, he'll light a lamp, and he'll raise it high, and that lamp is his son. Jesus was the light of the world, and the lamp of God has not yet gone out. It is living and standing at the right hand of God, shining for all the world to see. So it doesn't matter if people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. The lamp of God has not yet gone out, and God is willing to do a new thing to bring that light to the world. And we know that because he goes on to talk about Samuel. See, Eli, he was blind and sleeping somewhere else, but Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. He was getting as close as he could. And even though messages from God were rare, he was doing what he needed to do. And he was sleeping where he needed to sleep, and he was ready when he needed to be called. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Verse 4. Suddenly... I feel like God moves suddenly far more often than we think. 
suddenly. So we got to wait because suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. That's my God voice. I'm working on it. Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. So Samuel, he's laying in the tabernacle near the ark of God, in God's presence, and he hears Samuel. And he goes, Eli's calling me. I'm going to go wake him up. And he runs into the old man, barely blind, can't see, shakes him awake. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This is what I think. It's exactly like what would happen in my house if, if Hero wakes up in the middle of the night, he runs into my room, he starts shaking me. Dad, what do you want? I'm like, I want you to go to bed. What do you, it's 3 a.m. What do you do? Go to bed. See, he heard the voice of God, but he did not recognize it. He heard it, but didn't recognize it. When my parents got saved and I was, uh, I was young, they, they changed drastically, drastically. It would be very similar to around the age that, that Samuel would have been. Uh, my parents got saved when I was like four or five, and, and right around the age of five or six, they found a church, the, a church that accepted them. Um, there was some reasons it was difficult for my parents to find the right church, but they found a church where they were comfortable, accepted, loved, mentored, um, cared for, and they changed radically from that moment. I remember my dad used to spend all his time going bowling and then in softball leagues and all this stuff, and then one day, church, that's it. What do you do for fun? Church. Where do you go on the weekends? Church. Life was church. We had a Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Wednesday um, boys group where he became a leader in a, in a young boys group called Royal Rangers very early and, and did it right up until the program canceled five years after I graduated from it. And now he's actually still involved in Awana, a young children's group that the church does in its place. And actually, he's now also become the youth pastor for that church because he says, if Jason can do it, I can do it. It can't be that hard. And... And so in one day, he's like, everything's changing. So everything changed for us because we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday evening on Wednesdays. We were going to Sunday school before church, and throughout the week, we had to learn our memory verses so that we could get the Jolly Ranchers. I was a bit, you know, I wanted the candy. I didn't care about the Bible, but still I got the Bible in me and the Jolly Ranchers in me because I wanted to grow, and everything changed. And then I went to a Christian school because my parents said, we got to go a step further, and we went into a Christian school, and they started paying for my Christian education, and I was there from first grade right up till eighth grade, and, and everything changed in a moment. And just like Samuel spent all his time in the house of God, I spent all my time in the house of God. But there were times, seasons, many long years where I did not hear the voice of God. And when I finally did, I can tell you I didn't recognize it. Not right away, at least. I, I, I was like, what, what is that? What, I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to go back to where I'm comfortable. See, I wanted to be comfortable more than I wanted to be called. And, and when we want to be comfortable, we ignore the voice that calls us into something new. And we ignore that. We think, okay, here's what I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm Samuel. Here's what I'm comfortable with. The past five years of my life, Eli's told me what to do every single day of my life, so I hear a voice, I'm going to go to Eli. He went back to what he was comfortable with because he couldn't recognize the new voice calling him in a new way to do a new thing. Maybe you've had some monotonous, just regular, who cares, just another Sundays because you're being called to do something new, 
You're called to a new place. You're called to change in some way, but you haven't, so you're in the same place. Like when I'm on vacation and I'm in the same place doing the same thing every day and I just want to go home. And if you ever just want to go home, maybe it's because you're called to something new and you don't recognize the voice of God because the voice of God has become rare in your life and visions might be uncommon. If you want to recognize God's voice, you have to hear it more and more and more. So let's see what happens after he goes back to bed in verse 6. Then again, the Lord called. Then the Lord called out again. Isn't it great that God doesn't stop after just one? He calls again. Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. And this is like the second time the kid waddles into the room and you're getting a little bit more mad and you're like, what are you doing? I already sent you to bed once. Go back to bed. Get some sleep. Get a glass of water. Whatever you have to do. Don't come in my room again. I'm sleeping. And I think Samuel was so used to hearing from others, that's why he couldn't hear from God. As a, a servant in the temple, he was basically the lowest. There would be no one there who wouldn't tell him what to do. Everybody told him what to do. And when you're constantly told what to do, which is kind of what we do with children, we tell them what to do, tell them what to do, tell them to listen, tell them to listen. That's, that's his everything. We become comfortable hearing from others instead of the person we're supposed to be listening to. As a youth pastor, I commonly get teenagers coming up to me with maybe some interpersonal conflict, read gossip, and they're like, somebody was talking about me, and they're all mad at me, and I don't know what to do about it, and as you can tell, this is the boys. Uh, they're just yammering, yammering, yammering about everything going wrong, and, and I'll look at them, and I'll say, hold on, did you pray about this? And they go, no, 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 why are you coming to me, someone else, when you should be going to God, the one who can actually deal with this? Samuel hears God call him audibly a second time, and he goes to someone else. We get so used to going to others. Hey, hey, what do you think this means? Hey, what is this before we've even prayed about it? And if you want things to be different, go to the person who is always doing something different. God has been in the same business since Genesis chapter 3. See, that's where humans took his good and perfect world, and we went, nah, we want apples, and we messed it up completely ruining the world, bringing death, decay, and destruction into it. We messed it up. He's been in the same business since day one. Repairing, rejuvenating, replenishing, restoring. Now, he's done it differently generation after generation after generation. He's always doing new things. One generation, he's like, we need an ark. Another generation, he's like, we need an ark of the covenant. Another generation is, we need my son to get his butt down there and show them what to do. Another generation, he goes, you build your church. And that'll be the way. Another generation, he's like, you build your church and you crank the volume up to 11. See, he's doing stuff new all the time. But it, he never changes his mission. Maybe his methods. Maybe he's trying to do something new in your life, but you're so busy going back to others to hear what others have to say that you're in the same season. If you want to be in God's house, go to God. So he goes back to bed. We have a third time. Verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Remember, messages from God at this time are rare. He's lived his entire life in the presence of God, and he had not yet heard a message from the Lord. He didn't yet recognize the Lord's voice. It's crazy. He didn't know it was God, but God was speaking. Maybe God's speaking to you, and you just think it's your own voice 
That's just, I don't, I can ignore that. But he's speaking to him. Verse 8. So the Lord called a third time. He has not given up. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. He's doing the same thing again and again, expecting things to be different. Here I am. Did you call me? But then Eli, he's been around a little bit longer. He realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls you again, say, speak. Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. Finally, finally, Samuel gets offered some wisdom. See, he'd gone to Eli three times. In the first two, Eli offers advice. Get back to bed. I want to sleep. Because maybe, and this is not in the Bible, this is me reading into it, this Maybe God had been waking Eli up in the middle of the night a few times. Maybe God had been saying, Eli. And Eli went, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. I'm going back to bed. Eli. No, 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 no. This pillow is really comfortable. Eli. But then Samuel gets called. And Eli, he says, here's what I do. Go back to bed. Samuel, go back to bed. He's been getting advice after advice after advice. And then finally, Eli offers him some wisdom. People are quick to offer advice. Here's what advice is. You know what I'd do? That never ends well. You know what I'd do? I'd slap somebody. You know what I'd do? I'd get out of that. You know what I'd do? It always, it's always like, just, I, if, if I was in that situation, man, I, I'd not have taken that. I, I couldn't have taken that. That's advice. What I'd do. Here's what wisdom is. What is God saying to you? What's, what's the other person thinking. Have you looked at this from another side? Have you really thought, what would Jesus do? What is God thinking? Here's, here's wisdom. Turn the other cheek. Forgive 70 times 7. Go above and beyond. Walk an extra mile, even though you're being persecuted. Wisdom looks at the other and says, how does God see them? Because he loves them just like he loves me. Man, I struggle with this when I'm driving. My, my wife will testify that when somebody is being stupid on the road, I forget that Jesus loves them. Because all I see are brake lights when they should be like nothing in front of me. But God loves them. Wisdom says, what would God say to them? How would God deal with them? And Eli finally brings some wisdom. And Samuel, he, he listens to this wisdom. He hears it and he listens. Verse 10. And the Lord came and called as before. You know, narrative structure is pretty set on these things. Three strikes, you're out. You know, he'll call three times and he's moving on. No, but, but God, he doesn't care about narrative structure. He cares about reaching people. So he calls to Samuel even a fourth time. And the Lord came and called as before. Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. He's always doing something new. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven 
by sacrifices or other offerings. God's doing something different. He's doing something different. He's been speaking to Samuel, trying to get his attention because it's time for something to change because the lamp of God has not yet gone out. And then we're going to jump to verse 21 to see what, what goes on when Samuel responds. Verse 21, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. You see, Samuel finally listened and responded. He listened and responded. First, he listened, but he didn't recognize. Then he listened, and he went to others. Then he listened to the wisdom offered to him, which made him listen and respond. He heard all these things, and he responds. And when he responds, God changes everything. And it's no longer just another night's sleep. It's no longer just another Sunday. The house of God will not be left in the dark anymore because someone listened and responded. Will you respond when he calls? If you've ever thought, I don't hear the voice of God, here's what it takes to hear the voice of God. Little, little idea. Oh, I need to talk to that person. Ah, that's probably not God. That's me. I'm good. I'm not going to do that. Well, guess what? You're not going to hear that voice in the same way again. Here's the same thing. Oh, I need to go talk to that person. Maybe that's God. Maybe that's just me. Let's test it out. Test it out. Either way, you're having a great conversation. You've, you've built something. And if it's God, you're going to be open to hear it again. You got you to gotta listen. You got to hear it. You got to listen. And you got to respond every time. Because every time you respond, he's going to do something. He's going to do something. Something new. Something sudden. Something changing. Something eternal. Because of responding. He cares about his house. It's never just another Sunday because we have a heart for his house. And you might think I'm, I'm talking about this building. This, this building that we work to take care of and, and we want people to feel comfortable in and welcomed home into. But this is just a building. You want to know where his house is? It's sitting in blue chairs right now. It's watching online right now. You are his house, and he cares about it, and he does not want the lamp of God to go dark on it. He wants it to shine brightly into all the world. He wants it to change you if you'll let it. He's speaking so that you can respond in a dark season, in a dark time, and begin something new. We're about to start a new... Um, Semester here at FB Church. We, we work in semesters. We've got, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. Got it. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Four of them. I went to elementary school. The, the kindergarten teacher's like, yeah, you better get that right. Yeah, so winter, spring, summer, fall. We've got those semesters. And, and we're going to start a, a, a semester of home groups. Home groups are something we started about uh, two years ago. Uh, we started them out like beta testing them with just one or two, and then, then it grew to like five or six, and now we're at uh, nine, uh, nine different groups. And home groups are groups of individuals who say, we want more than just Sunday. We don't want just Sunday. It's, it's never going to be just Sunday for us. We have to go deeper. So home groups, they take 10 weeks, a semester, 10 weeks, and they go deeper into the message. And they invite people into their home. Um, here's, here's what a standard home group looks like so that we're all on the same page. It's, ours starts at 6 o'clock. So people roll in around 6.15. Yeah, I'm just saying, they, they're late. They roll in about 6.15, and that's fine. We're just getting together, friends, to talk about 
And we get drinks and chips and, and desserts because our home group has the best dessert maker in the church, I'm just saying. German chocolate cake, um, those uh, macaroons and the, the meringue cookies and ginger. She's always experimenting. Has she made that peanut butter thing? Anyway, really good food. And we, we eat some light refreshments. We, you know, we, we warm up. We, we talk to each other. We get to know each other. How was your week? Did you, did you see the new Spider-Man movie? Because if you haven't, you should. By the way, if you haven't, you should. Um, we, we, we get to know each other a little bit, share each other's lives, talk, talk about the, the struggles maybe and the, the good times and the bad times, and we laugh, and we'll just get to know each other for like 30, 40 minutes. And then we'll sit down, and maybe we'll, we'll ask, how did everybody do this week? What did you guys think of the sermon? And then maybe we'll pray. And then we're going to watch a short video, and this is where it moves from getting to know you to getting to know the Bible. And we watch a short video, and that video is, is Candace and I, usually the two of us, talking about whatever the message was this week. So what I'm talking about now, we talk about in a video to, to kind of remind everyone in the room what we talked about this weekend. So that it isn't just Sunday, we talk about it again on Monday or Tuesday, Thursday, whenever the group meets. And we go a little bit deeper into it, and we go around the room and we ask each other questions. Like, like what did you think Jesus, or Jason, what did you think Jason meant when he said lamp? Is it like the thing you rub and a genie comes out? Like, like we, we break down our preconceived notions and, and we make sure that everybody's on the same page and, and how are we going to apply this and, and what does this mean? And, and when we read about Samuel, that's a young child. Should our children be having visions? Why aren't they? Maybe because we're not, and we, we go into it and we, we talk and we, we go a little bit deeper into God's word. And then after we've done that, we bring those first two things together the getting to know each other, and the getting to know God's word, and we bring it together into an application. Here's what we know about each other, and here's what we know about the Bible. How can we be changed by what we just studied? What can we do this week so that we're sure it isn't just another Sunday? It's actually a life change that causes something new. And we'll come up with different applications, more intimate and detailed applications than we could ever do here from stage. Because there's, there's a couple hundred people every weekend hearing. I can't, I can't go through that many applications. I can make a, a broad one that fits as many as possible. But in a home group situation, we can all figure out exactly how we're going to apply it. This looked really cool in a home group we had recently. When we were talking about how we are a, passion, a vibrant, passionate, and selfless church, those three things. And everyone in the group had to pick one of those things, vibrant, passionate, or selfless, and pick a single way that that week that they could be more vibrant, passionate, or selfless, and then share it. And, and individuals were like, I want to be more passionate in worship. I've noticed I've been passive in the service, and, and maybe I want to I step forward and, and praise God, or whatever it is, or, or I need to be more selfless. I know that, that I have people at work that I haven't connected with because I just want my time by myself during my break, and I need to be more selfless. And, and those are ways that we're together applying the message. And in that way, it goes beyond just Sunday, and it becomes a home group, but not my home, his home, because we invite him into our lives, and we share it together. And if you've ever considered being a part of a home group, or maybe you've never even heard of them, or maybe you've heard, but you didn't respond, or, or whatever, we're, we're having something special today, an opportunity, a home group fair. Uh, you might have noticed the tables as you walked in, and, and there's some names on those tables. Those are our home group leaders with, with room, room to invite and welcome in new people, new individuals, new friends, 
new, new relationships. And, and they want to invite you in. But, but here's what I'm going to encourage you. Don't, don't just walk to one and go, to the, go, okay, that'll work. No, have a conversation. Because you need to connect on more levels than just, okay, we live near each other. That'll probably work. No, you, you need to know what you have in common. So the home group leaders, they'll tell you what they're interested in. Like, like if you're really interested in cars, do not come to my home group. I don't want to talk to you about cars. I'm sorry if there's anyone in the room that I've talked to you about cars before. I promise I was very interested. <laughs> but not at my home group. If you want that, maybe, maybe go to Mike's home group or, or Sam's home group. They, they're really into to cars. Or maybe you love motorcycles. Jerry would love to talk motorcycles with you. I don't even know how to start a motorcycle. Do you kick? You, you kick it, right? No? No, you just push the button now? Okay, see, I couldn't even do it. So talk to those guys. But if you're interested in movies, listen, my home group, we, we'll talk about movies. Charlie, uh, Charlie Fowler, he'll talk to you about some movies. He, he knows his stuff. But it, every home group leader can talk to you about the Bible and go deeper in that. Or maybe, it, maybe you're in a different stage of life. you got to figure that out. Some of the home groups, like mine, we, we win the, the Nobel Prize because we have the most kids in any home group, and it's not even close. <laughs> like, if everybody shows up and bring their kids, we've had more, like, children in our home group than other large home groups have people. So we have a lot of kids running around in our home group. My three, Jody's Four? Is it four now? Five. Jody's five. And then, like, like we've had other people with three. It's just, it packs out with kids. But we also have teenagers in my home group. So if you want to share in a conversation and maybe don't want some teenagers involved in that conversation, that, that might not be the home, right home group for you. There's other home groups with kids. Candace's home group has some children in it. And, uh, or maybe you don't have any kids and you don't want to be around any screaming kids where you're trying to go deeper in your faith. There's other home groups without children, but, but they have dogs. Lots of dogs. Six or seven, four, four Yorkshire Terriers. Like, so if that's your case, find that home group. Or, or maybe you're just looking for, for a place with, without out married couples in it or, or, or people in a different stage of life. Find those similarities so that it can go beyond just Sunday. And it'll never just be another Sunday again because you know when you get together on Thursday, you're going to be talking about the message, and you're going to apply the message together. And you'll spend some time throughout the week going back over your notes, maybe watching the message again online so that you can have something to add to the conversation so that you can be a part of growing as a community. We need to be his house. We need to hear his voice because the lamp of God will not go out, and we will not be the reason it gets dimmer. If you want his light to spread to the world, go deep. Listen, it's not always comfortable. I, I got to tell you, it isn't, it isn't super comfortable to say, hey, everybody come into my house, which isn't exactly clean because I have four, three children. They, they multiply. I have three kids and they, they make it, you know, it, it isn't comfortable. And I'm sure it's not comfortable to walk into somebody's home you've never even met. Like, like do I knock on the door or ring the doorbell? Because some people, they hate that doorbell because they got four yapping dogs. And if you ring the doorbell, the dogs are going to go crazy. <laughs> like, like, that's uncomfortable. That's a hard barrier to get past. But get past it. Because when you're in that living room and you become living room friends with somebody, that's when change happens. And it might feel like it takes a while, but then it happens suddenly. Because that's how God moves. 
So I'd encourage you. I'm, I'm trying to end as early as possible so there's time for you to go ahead and, and meet as many home group leaders as possible. Don't just talk to one unless you, it's like a perfect fit. And hey, try it out. It's, it's 10 weeks. After those 10 weeks, we'll take two weeks off. Then we'll have another 10 weeks. And then we, most groups take the summer off too because, you know, kids are home and it gets crazy and, and we take vacations. So most groups take the summer off. And if in between the, the semesters you're like, this didn't really work, I can promise you none of the home group leaders will be offended. They will encourage you to find the right place to grow. People come and go from our group. It might not be the right place, but they can find it because we are in God's house. So I want to I wanna give an opportunity for application beyond just finding a home group today because that, that lamp piece I saw at the beginning, I, I feel like that's specifically for someone here who's, who's been in a dark season and feels like they're not being offered anything from others and they've gone for wisdom but they've received advice and they've tried the advice then it's the same old, same old and they're trying the same thing time and time again and things are just getting darker and harder and more difficult and I've been in church Jason, don't tell me I just got to be in church because I've been here and things aren't changing. My life is the same. I feel like God is saying to you, the lamp of God has not yet gone out. It has not yet gone out. And he's calling out. He's calling out to you right now. He's saying your name. Calling to you. Here's what your job is now. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And I'm making this response open. This isn't a first-time salvation response. This isn't that, that I, I need Jesus because I've never had him response. This is way more open than that because if that was the response, my hand would stay down. But I need to raise my hand for this one. So here's the response. Don't raise your hands yet. Here's the response. It's just been another Sunday for me. Or I've, I've been in a dark season. I've been in a hard season. I need to hear God's voice and respond to him. Maybe I've been, been blind to some areas of my life because I don't want to deal with them for whatever reason. And I need to say to God, speak because I am listening. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads, creating some space for individuals to respond to God. If you're here, and you can say, I've been in a dark season, or I haven't been hearing the voice of God lately, or it's been just going through the motions for me, and I don't want that anymore. If that's you, would you raise your hand? And by doing so, saying, speak, Lord, your servant listens. This is listening and responding. This is listening and requiring change. This this demands response. Heavenly Father, as our hands are raised to you, as children sitting in a classroom waiting to be called on by their teacher, we ask that you would speak because your servants are listening. Speak this week that it would go beyond just this moment, beyond this Sunday, so that lives would be changed forever when individuals go deep into you inviting you into their lives so that they become the house of the Lord. We wouldn't just be home groups, but we would be the home of Christ that meets together and goes deep into your word, applies it, and changes our communities, becoming the lamp, because the lamp of God will not go out. Thank you, Father. 
make deep connections because you're moving forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before I go, um, Candice is going to give some instruction about the home groups and invite you to some other stuff, but I got to encourage you. Having a heart for God's house requires comfortability with God, involvement with other believers, the wisdom to follow Jesus and listen to his Holy Spirit while responding as he calls you. It's not as simple as raising your hand, but it's important. A home group can become a family, and a family can connect you to a point that it will never again be just another Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.